0: Save your seat now at growandemaiallist.com. That's growandemaiallist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 185. Today, I am sharing the three things I did right and wrong as a wedding photographer. After seven years of being a full-time wedding photographer and shooting 130 weddings, I am retiring from weddings to free up more time to do the things I love, which soon will look like rocking a baby, spending weekends at home, and of course, creating content just like this to teach you. I will always be a photographer and still plan to shoot. It's just going to look a little different than it has. As I reflect on a career that was filled with incredible, incredible couples and days spent documenting love and happiness, I realize that I have learned so much on this journey. And today I get to share my biggest wins and the places where I really dropped the ball in hopes that you can learn from my experience. Real quick, before we dive in, if you're a photographer or interested in becoming one, I am hosting a free masterclass workshop between the dates of September 11th and 13th. There are five different time slots that you can sign up for this free training. Just head to photowebinar.com to save your seat. I'm going to be sharing three biggest marketing hacks that help me fill my calendar for all of those years. That's photowebinar.com to save your seat and to learn about my biggest marketing secrets that help me run a six-figure photography business on a $0 ad budget. Before we dive on in, I want to share a review from Cami Lynn Photos. It's titled, She is an Inspiration. As I'm starting my photography business, I came across this podcast and I am obsessed. Jenna inspires me in every single episode and I always walk away with something new to implement into my business. I cannot thank Jenna enough for how much she has helped me through this journey. Thank you so much, Cammie Lynn. And for all of you that take the time to leave a review, just a big, solid thank you and a virtual hug to you. Now, without further ado, let's dive on in today. I'm sharing the three things I did right and wrong as a photographer.
1: You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. seven years, seven years in the wedding
0: photography industry. And it is safe to say that I did a few things right and a lot of things not so right. (laughs) And as I photographed my last wedding in August, I felt all sorts of nostalgia. I remembered that Jenna, that was nervous, so nervous she couldn't sleep before her first wedding. And guess what? I remembered the Jenna that seven years in was still nervous about showing up for her wedding. Now that's after 130 weddings. So it's safe to say that you never really feel like you made it. Okay. Now there are so many beautiful things about being a wedding photographer, telling love stories, getting invited into intimate moments, creating heirlooms and There are a few not-so-great things, too, like hauling 30 pounds of gear on your back through airports, being gone every weekend, worrying about memory cards, and spending hours upon hours tethered to your computer editing your images. Now, I wouldn't trade my wedding photography career for the world. It all started like this entire thing started with a $300 Craigslist camera and a hope to get out of corporate America and my windowless office. And it turned into a career that named me the top wedding photographer in Wisconsin four years in a row that had a successful six-figure photography business and incredible clients to boot. Choosing to close this chapter wasn't easy for me, but it feels so right. I got so many questions about how did you know it was time and what's next for you. But the truth was, is that it was actually a relatively easy decision. Over the last few years, I've been cutting back a little bit each year. I went from 30 weddings at the peak of my career down to just three weddings this year. And I was starting to feel like my heart just wasn't in it as much as it had been. When I showed up on a wedding day, you better believe I knocked it out of the park. But I didn't find myself reading the wedding blogs or dreaming about those wedding days anymore. And last year when I was in a mastermind, there was this exercise that we had to do. We had to sit at a table with our peers and we had to pretend like we weren't in the room and they had to talk about us for a solid five minutes. Now that's awkward, right? And when that happened, not a single person in the room brought up that I was a photographer. They talked about my podcast and the education and body image and marriage and the way that I showed up in the world. And it was so, so eye-opening for me because I had wrapped up my worth and identity in being a wedding photographer. But here as I sat among powerful entrepreneurs, not a single one of them brought up my photography. It kind of was the push that I needed to give myself permission to know that I can exist beyond being a wedding photographer, that I can be known for more than what started my career. And in that moment, I knew that I had to stop booking weddings and to make that decision. So as I close that door of the wedding photography chapter, I'm still a photographer, guys, like my camera is out and used every single day. It just looks a little different. And so I'm excited today to share the three things I did right and the three things I did really wrong in hopes that no matter what industry you're in, you're going to glean insight from someone who had a really successful career in a certain industry. So let's start with the first thing that I did right, like actually right. I created a brand with an experience. Even from the very beginning, I knew the importance of an experience. Having just been a bride myself, I took a lot of what I gleaned as a woman planning a wedding, and thus I made sure that I was helping the brides that would potentially choose me. From the first time they said hello yes. Even all those years ago, I would ask them about their relationship, their love story, what their vision was for their big day. And I wanted them to know that I wasn't just this priceless that was getting sent out to them, but I was a human who had just been through this exact process that they are going through and that I cared. Throughout the years, I continued to refine this experience. What was the Jenna Kutcher experience? By the end of it, I had a full system down from the first hello all the way through to the delivery of the images. Every touch point had a message to be sent. Every piece of the puzzle had a deadline, and I was able to really make sure that my experience was the same for every single bride. Now, the thing is, so often we focus on our service or our product. We don't focus on anything beyond that. So we price everything based on the value of only the product or service we're selling, but we don't think about how an experience can play into the big picture. If I've learned anything, customer experience is everything. Like, think about it. Have you had a terrible customer experience before? Were you tempted to like blast the company or leave a bad Yelp review or share about it on Instagram? Now think about those times where your expectations were totally blown out of the water and the company totally underpromised and over-delivered and went above and beyond. Did you talk about it? Did you tell your friends? I know I have had experiences like that. Now I advertised for one Year. And after that, my entire photography career was fueled by social media and word of mouth. That's right, a zero dollar ad budget. Why? Because from the very beginning, I wanted to create an experience that would keep people talking. I knew that I probably had to put some money down because here I was a girl in corporate America with no background in photography, launching this business. And I had to get the word out. I lived in a village of 1200 people and I didn't know a soul. And so I invested in that marketing saying there's a deadline on this and you have to give people an experience that they're willing to share about in order to keep this thing going without having an ad budget. And that's exactly what I did. I went into every single wedding with three big goals. Number one, to get asked for a business card before someone saw a single photo because they could tell how much I loved my job and how engaged I was with what was going on. Number two, to get offered a sip of champagne or a bite of cake from a bridesmaid because I made her feel cherished and valued throughout the day. Like... I really want champagne and cake right now. I'm pregnant. Neither of those are going to happen. But why did I put that in here? Oh, number three, to get hugs from the parents, because chances are if I left an impression on them, they would share that with their friends and it would create this residual effect. If I was booking the right clients, chances are those clients' friends would also be the right clients. Basically, I wasn't just focusing on an experience like send your couple a gift and stuff in the mail, which I also did, but I really wanted to make sure that leading up to the wedding day, all questions were answered before they could even be asked, that I was checking in and educating and supporting my client's vision while setting expectations. And then on the wedding day itself, I was making every person feel valued and special and worthy of being documented. I wasn't just focused on the bride and groom, but the experience of every human that I came in contact with. This absolutely paid off. I had one wedding client alone that led to almost six figures in income over the years because of the referrals that I got from her wedding. I went on to photograph her bridesmaids' weddings, their family's weddings. And so it was like one big reunion just because I showed up and gave a true and memorable experience. Now, on the flip side of this, we can't just talk about what I did right. Let's talk about what I did wrong because it wasn't always perfect or silky smooth. When I first started out, I had a huge, huge issue feeling like a fraud. Can you relate to that? Like, come to think about it, eight years in, I still feel that way. Like, you never get over feeling that way. But when I started, the whole identifying as a photographer, when I really felt like a photographer, was a huge struggle for me. I remember specifics, like I would look at other local photographers' websites, and I would try to figure out their pricing, and I stuck myself smack dab in the middle, little did I know, doing that just made me invite people to price shop the heck out of me, but consider that a lesson learned. And I remember being in photography groups where people would diss other photographers who went out and bought an ice camera, and boom, they opened a business, and I shied away because that was me. That was exactly me. The people that they were making fun of, that was me. I was the person they were making fun of. And that first year of business required advertising. And you want to know why? Because I put myself in a sea of other people and attempted to merely blend in. I was so afraid of someone calling my bluff that I hid behind a bio that sounded like everyone else's and prices that looked the same as a photographer's 10 miles away. And I didn't realize what a true brand was. Like I made the mistake of thinking a brand was just this pretty logo and a color scheme and making my blog site look like a washed out anthropology knockoff. And so I hid because it felt safe. And I felt like blending in meant people wouldn't know that I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. It took me a few years before I was really able and ready to stand out. You know, we hear people all the time talk about attracting and repelling, but let's be honest, like, do we really want to repel people? At the core of our being, we're likely people pleasers. My hand is in the air. And are we really ready for rejection? Like, can our tender, passionate hearts handle that? It was when I started to raise my prices again and I realized I was entering more of an uncharted territory for Wisconsin. And if I really wanted to command those prices, I had to prove that there was something different about me. And that fear of feeling like a fraud held me back from playing the game at the level I should have been playing at. If you keep Feeling like you're being price shopped, you probably are. And that's because you're not giving inquiries anything else to compare you to others but your price. So make yourself shine more than the amount you're charging and focus on an experience that is worth every penny and not the amount of pennies someone has to pay to work with you. I remember thinking, well, I wouldn't be willing to pay that much money, so how could I ask people to pay that much money? I had to remember that it was my job to create an experience that was worth every penny. And only I could do that. Now, the second thing that I did right was to create connection with people who might not be my ideal clients, but who may be attached to those who were or who may become my ideal clients. What do I mean by this? I didn't just have my social media accounts that were strictly for my business. I shared about my love of dogs, my passion for finding the perfect pair of yoga pants, the fact that I love naps and home decor. I created a personality that my followers could relate to and wanted to connect with. Think about it. If I only shared my work on my account, the only reason people would want to follow me was A, if they happened to be wedding obsessed, or B, if they were an engaged person in Wisconsin who still hadn't decided on a wedding photographer. Those two camps were small. They weren't enough for me. They were too narrow and they left out a ton of other people who might eventually need me and my services or want to know about me. I think too often we are so focused on this dream ideal client that we forget That we can connect with people who can refer us to our dream clients. I wanted to create a space online where people felt like they knew me enough to talk about me and share me with their friends. Like I love when I meet people and they say, I feel like I already know you or I feel like we'd be best friends because I promise if you show up and you show up well, people will come back for more and they will bring friends with them. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash digger, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. I knew that I could and should connect with people beyond wedding photos. And so I didn't shy away from sharing some of the things that made me, me. I had people follow me just because they loved watching us foster puppies or people follow me because they loved my thrifted vines for our home or people follow me because they were curious how I was making a living doing what I loved. Sharing more than just my work allowed me to meet my couples in a coffee shop and to have them say, I feel like I already know you that like that is what you want to hear. And I challenged myself to not even bring up wedding photos for an entire hour at our first initial meetings because I wanted to invest in the relationship beyond the service. If you think hard enough, you can think of things that will connect you to your ideal client, even if you yourself are not your ideal client. Like if you want to grow a business that really soars, it is so important to focus on more than just your services and your products. Spoiler alert, it is not enough for you to hide behind them any longer. Your business needs a personality, a storyline that people can connect with, something that is memorable. People assume that they will click onto your bio page and see something like, I grew up with a camera in my hand and I love documenting love stories. And when I see this, I want to say, duh, like, I hope you do. If you're a photographer, I hope you love what you do, but tell me more about you. Like, what would you share with people if you couldn't hide behind a title or what it is that you sell to make a living? What would you say? Like, I don't want to go to a dentist and read their bio and have it say, I love teeth. Like, I kind of assume that. Like, how do we connect on a level beyond my teeth? That was a weird example, but whatever. You guys still love me. Now to go with this, I have to share a little tidbit and a truth about identity. Remember how the first thing I did wrong was feel like a fraud? Well, the second thing I did wrong was that my identity was wrapped up in numbers. It was income how many weddings I shot, how many awards I won. That feeling like a fraud thing really sunk its teeth into my desire to prove the world wrong and to really show them that, yes, this girl who bought a $300 Craigslist camera could be a true success. I found myself hiding behind numbers and titles to try and prove my worth, and it turned into this unhealthy habit that ultimately led me to burnout. I remember one time I was at the doctor and Drew was with me and the doctor asked me what I did for a living and I got all awkward and I said, I was a photographer and they kind of smiled like, oh, how cute, a hobby sort of way. And I watched Drew's face twist and get red in anger because he saw it too. The doctor left and he whispered, you should have told her that you do more than just photography. And I laughed because it was something I had been battling for a long time. People just didn't take me seriously, and I, I felt like it was my job and mission to convince them that I was really awesome, instead of just letting them think whatever the heck they wanted to. Because of this, I started chasing more. I was on this upward trajectory. The first wedding season I did, 25 weddings. Second wedding season, 27 by the third season, I was shooting 30 weddings between the months of April and October. And if you do the math there, there were plenty of doubleheader weekends, some of which had me driving across state borders overnights and frazzled. And it also meant that there weren't many weekends off or time spent with my family. I developed anxiety for the first time. I felt like a crazy person chasing her tail, spending each weekend shooting and each week feverishly editing, trying to stay caught up. But you guys, I wanted to be impressive. I wanted to tell people I'm a wedding photographer. I shoot 30 weddings in a year to prove to them that it was more than just a hobby. In fact, I still feel myself sneaking into that trap even to this day. It's something I can't escape. That desire to make people understand that what I do is legit. That it's not just a hobby. It's a business and a really successful one at that. And so if you're wondering how that 30 wedding, wedding season panned out, I will tell you right now, it made me hate my job. I loved my clients. I love my clients. If you are listening and you are a client, I love you. I loved your wedding, but I stopped looking forward to them. That was the year when I looked at numbers more than love stories. And when I showed up and knocked it out of the park for my clients, I was really struggling personally. I've shared a story on the show before, but since we're talking about burnout, let me tell it again. During that 30-wedding wedding season, we were out of town with Drew's family for the weekend. At this point in my career, I couldn't imagine leaving the house without my computer. I thought that every single day I needed to be on it and working. And of course, I booked a session on Sunday night. I had no boundaries. Drew drove me to the session, and he didn't normally do this, so he didn't really normally see me work. And while I was shooting the session for my beloved clients, I remember getting into the car afterwards and I kind of like collapsed into the car and I looked over at Drew and I was so anxious and there were tears in my eyes. And I said to him, do you think they could tell? He said, do you think they could tell what? He said, do you think they could tell how absolutely exhausted I am? And I remember on that drive home, I fell asleep and I realized that every yes I was saying to my career, to my clients, to wanting to prove myself. I was saying an equal no to my family, to time with Drew, to an actual life. After that season, I knew that I had to cut back and cut back dramatically If I went into another season like that, I would probably be admitted into the hospital for psych help or exhaustion. Have you guys ever been like so tired where the idea of being hooked up to an IV and stuck in a hospital bed sounds like a joy? Because I know I have. I've run myself ragged time and time again. And so Drew and I had a really serious conversation. And I said to him, like, I can't do this again. I can't. I'm starting to hate this industry that I worked so hard to get into. And at this point, I was making six figures, but I knew that we had lived off of way less. And so I said to him, what would it look like if I cut my workload in half? If instead of taking 30 weddings, I took 15. Yes, yes, yes. I know I will make half the amount of money, but I know we can live off of that. Like, would you be okay with that? And Drew was fully on board. He wanted his wife back. He wanted a life back too. And so that is exactly what we did. So we cut back and in cutting back, I got my passion again. I also started pursuing other things like education, which led me to this very podcast. And if I would have never cut back, I would have never given myself the space or the time to discover the things that really set my soul on fire. I often think about what if I would have just kept pushing? Where would I be today? And it definitely wouldn't be sitting here recording this show for you. So on to the next thing I did right. Let's switch it up and talk about some good stuff. I invited people into the stories that I told, so much so that they could envision themselves as my clients and feel connected to the work that I was creating, Have you ever stared at a pretty picture you're wanting to post onto social media and you're wondering, what the heck do I have to say about this? Yeah, I've been there too. I remember a time where my photos of mac and cheese were outperforming my photos of wedding work and I wondered, how the heck can I make a living if people care more about pasta than the work that was paying my bills? Like it was a scary time on social media, am I right? And chances are, maybe you've dealt with this too. You put your work out there, your service, your product, or your offer, and there's nothing but crickets in response. Like, um, hi, I'd like to make a living doing what I love. Can you help me out and care about it? Cool. Thanks. I realized then that there was this huge hole in what I was doing and that I needed to apply what was working for growing my brand personally to the work that I was doing. Here I was inviting people into my life so that they felt like they knew me. But then I was sharing my work in a way that simply said, Andrea and Adam had a pretty wedding. Click to the blog to see more of their beautiful Wisconsin wedding day. Um, Any follower would probably think, wait, who the heck are Andrea and Adam? Why should I care about them? And I sure as heck am not going to click off of this addictive app and go to a blog post and look at photos of strangers. Am I right? Like, are you seeing how when we share our work, and we don't use our words, and we lean on that clever quote that a photo is worth 10,000 words, we are failing to invite people to care. After I realized that mac and cheese was getting more likes than my paid work, I made a change. If I really wanted people to click off of the app they were on, I had to give them a reason to, to make them feel connected to these clients. And so I changed up the way that I shared my work. I started telling stories that made people care. Instead of just saying, Andrea and Adam were pretty and beautiful, things that you could clearly see if you simply just looked at the photo, I started to share the story behind the image. Andrea stood in the sunlight as her mom and grandmother helped her into her satin gown, the same gown her grandmother wore decades before when she married Andrea's grandfather. As the church door swung open and Andrea approached her groom for the first time, I caught out of the side of my eye as her grandmother watched adoringly, probably remembering her very own wedding day. Something like that. Like, don't you want to see what Andrea's grandmother looks like or see the photo that I caught of her looking on? That is something that I would click to see more of. Not only that, but sharing stories like that helped followers start to envision themselves becoming clients, imagining their own stories being documented and shared by me. It gave people the chance to warm up to the idea of working with me while also speaking of my clients in a way that told them, I paid attention to you. I saw you. I wasn't just clicking a button and accepting a paycheck, but I was taking in moments of your day that you would never forget. My blogs changed from being adjective filled and talking about the way things looked to the way things felt, the moments that led up to the day, the little nuances that they probably assumed people would miss. There is so much power in stories, in your stories, your client stories, the stories behind what you create. Stop using fluffy words and empty invites to make a sale and start painting a picture that people want to envision themselves in. This can change absolutely everything for you. Now, the last thing I did wrong was this. This one's a hard one to talk about. I kind of sat here thinking about this show and I just didn't want to talk about it. But what the heck? The last thing I did wrong was that I put myself on an island. I operated alone. I built up walls. I didn't want to let people in. And I surely did not need to make a lot of friends in the industry. When it comes to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. sites and so much more. When I look at my eight year long photography career, I have a handful and a very small one of true friends who are in this industry. Not because I felt like I was better than anyone, but I struggled with the feeling of competition over community. And I believed that lie for far too long that there were true secrets that needed to stay secrets in order for me to stay at the top. I didn't really go to meetups. I didn't try and meet other photographers. I didn't create a ton of true friendships in the industry. It is easy as an entrepreneur to retreat and to isolate yourself, maybe even unintentionally. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot and really diving into in my own life. I think that all of the, I love to get coffee and pick your brain messages really started to wear on me and influence my ability to trust others, which affected the way that I looked at relationships. It's no one's fault, but my own. And as introversion took over my once extroverted self, I pulled back from trying to create new relationships and really just kind of kept to myself and kept my head down to do my own best work. My dearest friends in the industry are people who I connected with online, who I might only see once or twice a year if I'm lucky. They are the friends that I voice text or check in with. But when I look at true community in my life, there has been a lack of it since I started flying solo on this mission to grow a successful business. So if you can learn from my mistake, it is this. Don't put yourself on an island. Find an industry friend or two who you can trust and connect with, who you can send referrals to one another and vent to. It can be a lonely road if you isolate yourself and instead of building higher walls, build a longer table. It is going to make this journey so much more fun and at the end of the day, those relationships will mean more to you than any amount of success. To sum this entire episode and industry and retirement up, it has been a ride. And while I'm done shooting weddings, I am not leaving the industry, but just changing up the kind of work I'll be shooting and what it will look like as I continue to be a photographer and create images of our lives. No matter what industry you're in, you are going to have seasons, seasons of growth, seasons of questioning, seasons of hustle and burnout. But I want for you to know that it is a beautiful ride. And so buckle up, gold diggers. Learn from my mistakes. Embrace this beautiful, messy ride of dream chasing and never, ever give up. Before I sign off, I want to remind you, if you are a photographer or an aspiring photographer out there, we do have a free training coming up for you all about the three marketing hacks that I use to fill up my calendar. These trainings are happening September 11th through September 13th. Head to photo Webinar dot com to learn and sign up for your spot for my free masterclass three simple marketing hacks to fill up your photography calendar. This is the exact way that I continue to grow that six figure business on a $0 ad budget and I want to share those secrets with you. So until next time gold diggers keep on digging your biggest goals and wedding photography I
1: love you but I don't know how much I'm going to miss you.